Welcome to the Raindrop Corner Podcast, an affirming space for people who seek to enrich the human experience. This is a place where real-life superheroes and creatives get to share their magic without censorship. And I'm your host, Kay. This week's guest was BB Deluxe. This episode was a long time coming and a very delayed episode. So some of the songs and music that we talk about actually has been released, and I will link all of that below. BB Deluxe is an amazing musician, and it was really cool getting to talk about her journey, not just as a trans woman, but her journey into becoming herself, her journey into navigating past other people's expectations, especially as someone who had a very formidable drag career in the community of Jacksonville and beyond, and breaking away from some of those expectations that the community had for her. I hope that you all enjoy this episode. If my voice sounds a little funny, it's because I um, recently had COVID, so I'm still kind of getting over the weird cough part of it. But without further ado, here is an ode to our guest. I dazzled and titillated, scintillated from the opals of your eyes to hairy thighs synthesized, form set to deride and methodically hide. God. Fuck that, I am a goddess, marvel set to bless, and baby, I'm always best dressed. A crumbling city's lavish mess, who managed to change the narrative to my own distress. I suggest, no, bled at the hands of don't touch me, a teacher approaching me. No sir, ma'am, and brigade of the bitter, I disagree, this is my decree. I will not lower nor negate my power, regardless of whether your glee turns sour. I will not fucking cower. I can build and destroy any tower, and I will happily burn all your flowers. If it means that being deluxe is my superpower, I dazzled and titillated, scintillated. From the opals of your eyes to hairy thighs, synthesized, forms set to deride and methodically hide, shedding skin, letting hair fall from my chin, redefining the definition of kin. Hell, let me be walking sin. It sparks a grin, followed by the roar within whispering, she was always gonna win. Bibi, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for coming on the Raindrop Corner podcast. And how are you doing? Um, that's one of them questions, ain't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, as fine as anyone can be in the circumstance. The kind of stock answer. Anytime somebody asks me how am I doing, all I really have to talk about is like my art projects that I got going on. Because like even though lots of things come and go, and every week is different, every day is chaos. Made a bunch of music in 2020 and I didn't release it, and now I'm releasing it. And you know I'm releasing a single every 30 days, and music video and a lyric video and a performance video to go with it. That's and, cool. Uh, all of 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, I was doing shows, mm-hmm. track shows. Um, you know, I was hosting every Friday for, I, I lose track of the time, but at, at a certain point, I think it was like two or three years in a row during the summertime. Every week we did like a new theme show, drag show, and um, 
It was glitter bomb. Yeah, glitter bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I t- it's so, it's funny because it's so far away now that like I have new people I've connected with since that don't know that I was even a drag queen for ten years. That's the power of the internet. It's I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to see you too. Podcast. I would say that you've made a formidable career. You've made a formidable presence for yourself, where you were a very well known drag queen for a very very long time and then i the one thing that made me gravitate to the way you perform drag is it became performance art so yes you were a drag queen you did quite a few shows but like you you shifted it into glitter bomb where they were themed shows one of the coolest things that i've seen is your passion is as a musician and being able to really work on those projects in bleed lyrics and melodies and also what you're doing in tandem with the words and the music playing because it becomes an experience so how did you go from having that passion for drag and channeling that into music or has your love for music always been there like i started doing drag going out in drag performing in drag when i was uh like 19 Mm -hmm. 2009 and it just felt so natural at the time. But th- that whole time, I was just thinking about being able to sing my own music. Like, that, I was still singing. I, I would, like, sing on busted, fucking rotted microphones with, like, shitty karaoke tracks. <laughs> I did that for a hot ten years. Couldn't no one tell me nothing. I was like, I'm a vocalist. <laughs> <laughs> just fighting it. I was fighting it the whole time, honestly. It was always just a vehicle for me to express my vision more than anything. And I think I was just recently talking to somebody about how, like, I had a lot of shame for for a really long time about calling myself an artist because it seems like just such a pretentious thing to call oneself. And it's, it's a term that's vastly overused. And I do it's agree with that. Term that's, it's that that word gets so like uh, someone who makes your sandwich at Subway is called an artist. That's true. So a like, sandwich what? artist. Yes. Come on now. So <laughs> I and I'm not saying that's not a difficult job, but has anyone been, has anyone against better judgment been to a Subway in the last five years? There's no art. There may have been at one time, <laughs> but that Jared Fogle situation just kind of tanked that. Pretty much. <laughs> It's a bleak. Go to any subway in existence. It is bleak. I just, <laughs> I came to the realization, I came to the realization that, like, um, it's okay to call myself an artist mm-hmm. and how anybody else labels or categorizes or thinks of me because I call myself an artist. Do I put it in my bio? No. But I, because I, currently my medium is writing songs. Mm-hmm. But I do think that I've just come to the realization that some people on Earth, <laughs> to be specific, it's on Earth. <laughs> I'm now at an age, I've gone around the sun 31, and I, I've kind of come into the realization that art, it's different for everybody. For me, for a lot of creative types, it is the way that I communicate with a world that wasn't designed to communicate with me. 
me being, you know, neurodivergent, mm-hmm. or be that me being um, very, very, very clear, be that me being of the trans experience, or me just being a very unusual person. And I even, like, struggle to say that because it's like, I, I think that there was this surgeons and people being like... Mm, I don't know. I like owls. I'm really weird. It's like that's not weird. Like it's become weird, trendy to be weird. But it's like I don't know. My entire life, I really had difficulty in every social setting where I had to get close to big groups of people. And like I, 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 I don't communicate well or normal with other, and I kind of ignore social norms. And it, it's been damaging at just about every day job I've ever had. <laughs> I want to ask. I want to ask you about that, though, because you've done so many things where you've been immersed around people. So how do you navigate that? And and how do how do you show everybody you in an environment that expects you to kind of acclimate to the standard social norms? Uh, Still a work in progress. Um, I mean, like the. Like, there are times when I have to accept that I am not going to be able to communicate who I am in every single category, and I cannot control people's perceptions of me. But what I can control is my fucking art. There you go. The fact (laughs) that my brain even thinks that, that my brain goes to a place where it's like, hey, your art is your vessel to communicate, so why don't you communicate this via your art on your own terms instead of um, going into an existential crisis because you got called sir 15 times a day. And it's like, do someday I want to be called ma'am at the grocery store? Yes, I'd like that to start immediately, but that's not reality. You know, and um, that, that I know uh, uh, the girls like me who have transitioned fully and medically transitioned, not to say fully transitioned, but their definition of transition fully. And, you know, they've medically transitioned and they've had, you know, all the glamorous personal work done that they needed to get done. And, and, and they still get called sir. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one of those things in the trans experience, at least on my navigation of it thus far is, is, um, it is just a work in process with how you cope. And um, and my art, I get to call the shots. I, I get to tell you. And um, through my songwriting specifically, where I'm at right now, I'm telling people, I am giving people my perspective. Because I have to for me. I have to, I have to learn to find a way to communicate this in a way that I feel comfortable about and I don't read back later and I don't listen back later and I cringe because I'm putting on something I'm you know and there are songs that I've written that I didn't realize I was doing that while I did it and then I go back and I listen I was like oh girl you was telling stories and you didn't even know you was telling stories (laughs) drag was always the way to give myself permission Mm -hmm. There was a pre-existing framework there of what I could do. I enjoy the bombast of pop music, like indie pop, of course, but mm-hmm. I like major pop music and always have because I think that major celebrities, athletes, politicians, pop stars, specifically pop stars, are kind of our like contemporary equivalent of the Greco-Roman gods. I think that they exist as a lightning rod for people's 
greatest fears and anxieties? What does this major celebrity represent to the rest of the world? So, like, Britney Spears represents stolen innocence, exploitation, mm-hmm. the hunger of fame and money and, and status over, over dignity, um, and uh, uh, sexualization of youth, all of that at the beginning of her career. Mm-hmm. You know, so you stand to be these figureheads. And what does Kanye West represent uh, to people? Uh, what does Kim Kardashian represent? What does Taylor Swift represent? You know, this branding, mm-hmm. even though it seems like soulless corporate branding, no, I think they've taken these real people that maybe kind of feature some of this, and, the, the, and then this thing gets built up around them to represent something massive and um i was a kid raised by the tv i was a latchkey kid last generation of people to like tell their kids here's a key you know you know <laughs> be home dinner time or whatever same and um grew up in front of a tv and i mean showed signs of being a i'm going to say it very bluntly i'm showed signs of being a trans child very mm-hmm. early very early like as early as two two years old my parents clocked me saying i wish i was a girl Mm -hmm. uh, crying because i wasn't a girl not understanding why girls got cuter clothes and nicer stuff that duck over there is walking and talking like a duck you know and um the fucked up thing is that when you are a person born into a body of a person with a penis Mm -hmm. and you start to show signs of overt femininity Mm-hmm. Your presence is politicized before you even have awareness of the world. So, like being a three-year-old playing with boy, in air quotes, playing with a Barbie doll, I was immediately a topic of discussion. Just being authentic, being myself, just existing following my pursuits of what personally interested me and made me feel content as a three-year-old child was enough of a ripple in the social framework, a glitch in the fucking system to cause adults to start talking about me, you know? Mm-hmm. It didn't get worse. It just persisted. I'm not going to say it got worse because it's not worse. Mm-hmm. I was just being myself, but like I got older. I loved the Spice Girl, Britney Spears, serotonin boost I got from that as a kid was unlike anything I had experienced up to that point. And um, I wanted nothing more than that. And I used to, as a kid, keep sketchbooks. I, I religiously would watch the Britney Spears Dream Within a Dream. Yes. And baby, any pop concert tour I could get my hands on. I got my hands on. And um I used to just watch them religiously and I would fill up notebooks of like what my tour would look like. Because in a world where my hyper femininity as it was, because it's like I know plenty of trans women who transition to just be chill gamer girls, literary <laughs> nerds who don't even really fuck with makeup that much, just chill, you know, um, cottagecore, soft, delicate, lily subtle women, you mm-hmm. know, because they're loud and they're valid. 
and mm-hmm. some of us are like hyper fucking film goblins. So I, <laughs> I, 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 so it's like I had a lot of personality. I really like to sing. I like to dance. I like to tell jokes. I liked hearing people laugh. Mm-hmm. I liked the vibe and the mood shifting because of something that I did or said. Like my dad was a stand-up comic. I watched him do it. And music was just so like inherent. It was just in my soul. I was obsessed. And 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 um, I used to fill up notebooks with like concepts of what I I would do if I had a major pop career. For, like, and 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 if I could look back on it now as an adult who thinks about things entirely too much, I think that I was envisioning a world where as opposed to constantly being met with pushback about my existence, about wanting to wear little cute midriff tops and wear cute little jeans with butterflies on it and have like long hair I could flip around and like do all the girl stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. the girl stuff, not trying to be gender, but y'all know, you could be (laughs) someone who identifies as female and you could be someone who, you know, uh, um, uh, you could be a cis woman. However, however that I, that feels good for you and you don't have to buy into any of that your existence doesn't have to be gendered at all and and i've especially come into this because it's like i accept they them mm-hmm. pronouns and i am in a place where like i'm not entirely out like at work just because of safety because mm-hmm. like it, it, it just practical reasons that aren't anyone's business but everybody kind of really wants to know about mm-hmm. but it's it, it's a lot of people kind of assume that i am non-binary and i i'm i don't i'm not not non-binary don't reject that i can understand i i encourage people that that's a positive projection if the, if the, if you see non-binary in what i'm saying then then it's there mm-hmm. and i i write about in my music about being in the middle, about being one but not the other, about being day them. But if I really think about my gender and what it means to me, I'm a fucking hyper-feminine person. And I think people assume hyper-feminine means that you're just a submissive, like, princess type. And it's like, no, hyper-feminine, I don't know if anyone's kept up. That just means that masculinity serves very little purpose in your life exactly even if you go back to like the 1920s during the flapper period hyper feminism and how that was vivified in the early americas is very different from how societal norms made it seem much later it's for me you know i have always called myself a hard femme, soft butch Mm -hmm. and um i think that i'm hard because i have to be Mm -hmm. Because I have to be, and I'm soft when I need to be. And, and I, you know, I, I was raised by very strong, independent, often unhinged women <laughs> who, who really just taught me. And while my mother and my sister didn't necessarily fully comprehend that I was a trans woman at the time, because let's face it, the language was not available. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, resources on television went as far as daytime television. Um, Jerry Springer, Maury Bovich, and that was that you know like working women you saw on the streets. Mm-hmm. So it's like there was no frame of reference for them. But I do think that they understood that I was, in those terms, softer and more feminine than the men in my family was impacting me negatively. 
So earlier you talked about how pop stars, celebrities, they yeah. they have a story. Essentially, they embody um they embody something that kind of vivifies who they are, even outside of what they do or what the industry wants them to project. So in a very condensed way, what would be what you show people? What would be what you project to people through your art and what you give to them through the pop that you create? As much as I've thought out the theory of like, you know, major pop stars having representing something in society, what is what is their role? I, I guess I haven't really thought of that in context of myself because I'm still writing it, I guess. It's still being put together, but I think um, ultimately, and I think that collectively we should move past terms like only and first mm-hmm. just because um, there's no reason why this rich tapestry can't be shared. Um, but I just want to be an additional voice that tells people it's okay if you have noticed the brunt of society that has um, put you in the corner and it is it is okay to be angry and it is okay to push for change but it's also really 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 important to have a good fucking time and celebrate yourself not up for me to decide what i represent to people i like it's up that to people because as i'm describing mm-hmm. it it's like i you know i can i can only tell you like like what i want to impact on the world is i want people to listen to music and feel good for a second i want people to listen to music and you know i put in these three-part harmonies and i do these chord progressions and i try to follow a certain kind of formulaic science to execute these rises and falls and like i hit harmonies in a certain way that make me feel goosebumpy and it's like okay if that's there that has to exist with somebody else and um and and then if and then if they get past the fact that like groove is fun and, and they're having a good time, they can listen and say, like, oh, this girl was talking about some T-girl shit that, 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 <laughs> that I haven't heard on a, a, a on a record before. And it's like, okay, well, come on in, baby, because I'm not... Because there is, there is something that can be observed mm-hmm. in history about trans women and electronic music. And it is... Wendy Carlos is a pioneer of... of um, electronic music and she did the score for clockwork orange amongst mm-hmm. many other things so you have sophie sophie who just recently passed away very tragically mm-hmm. revolutionized the way pop music sounds today you have laura less of 100 decks you have arca there's just this there's something about trans women and the music of the machine because i think we inherently understand the idea of altering reality through technology. We are the middle point between nature and design because we're being authentic to ourselves, mm-hmm. utilizing technology that's never been available to us before. It used to be that if you were trans, you just like, like going back to the dawn of time when trans women existed in this kind of culture, it, it, it's like you, you just being able to connect with other trans people we have um uh, there, there's this other amazing pop star a pink star who i love who does um a, a very similar thing with electronic music he raises the pitch of her voice and she talks about how the internet creates this vast network where you can feel seen and heard and appreciated 
when you might not like because you know the greater Jacksonville don't want to see me through the internet trans women trans people I I mean all all people trans people trans women to refer to myself mm-hmm. it's it, it's the, we're able to connect with people who don't immediately either fetishize us or ridicule us or become threatened by us it's people who see us and say bitch that's me too and then you take the equipment to you which is you know um uh a midi key for me it's a midi keyboard and it's a microphone and and um and the audio processing unit illustrate the things that have been inside of your head this entire time through a medium that is both here and not here because it's digital feel good music when you're making it when you feel good about it when it's playing out of your speakers it doesn't fucking matter if nobody likes it i i and and i i wish i could keep this energy 24 hours a day Mm -hmm. i wish i could feel this way when i'm in the throes of some bullshit i'm getting caught on the numbers or i'm like you know getting imposter syndrome i wish i could feel this moment where it's like as long as you were able to communicate Mm -hmm. in some kind of way to a way that was your satisfaction you have to take solace in the fact that you gave it your fucking all you did everything you fucking could. It's very and true. Some people heard it, and people, some people didn't hear it. Some people haven't heard it yet. Some people never fucking hear it. But you did, it, bitch. It's out there, and and I I feel like for me this the power of holding an instrument mm-hmm. like a guitar, a piano. It's a beautiful thing, and I think that there's been a lot of stigma against like not having an instrument against making your music digitally about digitizing music too much using over pitch correction Mm -hmm. and i don't i think people who are critical of that aren't understanding that it doesn't matter what tool you use to get to that feeling that writing a song gets you to so long as you get there exactly and it's it is a it is a magical experience how did your relationship with music alter going from being a drag queen to now creating your own music and allowing all of those things that are in your head to come out in the way that they need to come out and you have the freedom to do that because you're able to focus on it a little bit more yeah i well i mean the elephant in the room is that I think a lot of people would still consider what I do drag mm-hmm. just on the basis of at at the most outer rim of people who I could give a fuck about language. I tell people what it is. I was born with a penis and I prefer to be, I, I don't even say prefer. I say I was born with a penis. Mm-hmm. I use she, her pronouns. My name is Beatrice. You can call me BB. Mm-hmm. That, that, and, and then and then people you know they're like well why do you have to bring that up it's like why do you have to bring it up that's an entirely different discussion it's but, also uh, like people... you're confident in it and you are challenging and people don't like to be challenged people don't like to have to think about why they're doing the things they do or that they're even doing them they, they don't because they haven't had to and mm-hmm. and a, a big mountain for me has been learning how to navigate that with patience and kindness because I had patience for a long time and then I got really nihilistic and I didn't want to have patience anymore and now I'm kind of coming back around and realizing like all right girl you gotta be nice to your common per- common fellow person to a point like, it's exhausting like it's, it's a back and forth you constantly <laughs> have to go and I'm sure there are many other 
ways that you can apply this uh, feeling to any other person, the minority, to the majority. It's it because it, you have to just constantly be an example. Turn other cheek, gotta be fucking Jesus Christ all the time. I'm not Jesus. <laughs> Local activist powerhouse Christina Kittle. My favorite quote from her so far is, "I'm not Jesus." She is one of the best humans on this planet. I swear. I love. I'm not Jesus. <laughs> Is not is not anyone's job to be. It's it's not any marginalized group or person. It's not their job to be Jesus in. But I do also get being in the eye and having people who like what you do and respect you and having to kind of be patient and take a step well, back. It's not just the gender stuff. It's not just like you know you have a penis and you're dressing up as a girl quote quote it's it it's not just that it's also like i put on a wig i put on a little bit of makeup i put on a costume that matches what i'm doing i don't even call them a costume i put on a look i put on a look that is my look that i've decided to make Mm -hmm. because we didn't call what cindy Lauper was wearing a costume no we didn't okay some of the shit you got 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 costume i think she would accept that but it's like for the most part it's like uh Katy Perry and and um, Lady Gaga and and Kesha and uh, all the contemporary pop stars from mm-hmm. when I started drag Beyonce Rihanna uh, Miley Damn Cyrus Nicki Minaj all these girls you know they they can put on strong looks they can put on wigs they can put on um, you know eyebrows and stuff and it's like are we calling them drag queens are we calling what are we calling them other than just fucking um, musicians with an exaggerated personal style you know mm-hmm. we, we don't we don't we don't call Susie Sue from Susie and the Banshees drag queen and the only time that they're ever pop stars in those situations like Reba McIntyre you know and stuff it's like mm-hmm. the only time we ever refer to them as drag queens is when we are culturally trying to like lighten the mood and be like well I'm practically a drag queen too with all the stuff that they do and it's like so maybe we've acknowledged that queer people can just do the same thing y'all do without you categorizing it even fucking further. Mm-hmm. And we it happens so it. often. Because Reba McIntyre, I, I have a, a friend of mine who's just immensely talented. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to spill their tea. I don't know if they have like an NDA or anything. So I won't say their name. But um, they worked with Reba McIntyre on a costume. And Reba refers to stage Reba in third person. Oh. But not in an ego way. Not mm-hmm. in like an ego way, but like as it's a character. I like her that. stage persona, like the one she puts forward, the brand, as it were, because at a certain point when you're a major pop star, you operate as a company. So if you get your company gets sued, you don't get sued. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, um, but it's like you become a separate entity and it's like, I don't dislike drag. I still love drag. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with being a drag queen. I think it's a thing that you should identify as. I think it's a thing that you should call yourself and give permission for the world to call you. And I don't feel like a drag queen. I And do I still perform with drag queens? Absolutely. I'm not wearing a different wig every time. Mm-hmm. I'm not wearing no damn corsets. I'm not wearing no hip pads. I'm 
not wearing no tights. I'm not wearing no heels. And I'm not putting none of that shit on because I want someone to say, like, oh, you're doing drag, drag. Now it's like, no, I put this on because I felt like putting this on. But that's just not, that's not my tea. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm looking to do. I'm not looking to make an illusion of me. I have decided I'm what I want to look like when I'm performing my music. What makes me feel confident? What makes me feel like I can translate my inner vision into reality? And it's it's just putting on a face makeup, a cute outfit, and now I'm wearing a blue wig. That's the thing. That's why I got rid of my beard. Because it's like I was tired. I got rid of my beard because it was distorted as fuck. Like, I'm a girl, y'all. Like, eventually. And see, that's the other thing. I think so, so many people get comfortable in the idea that they already adjusted to, like, a bearded drag queen mm-hmm. by social norms. It's like, hey, y'all, someday, let me spill some tea for you because this is how I feel. Right now, I live in this body, and I'm going to appreciate it while I have it. When I have the money, I'm going to do what the fuck I can do to get called ma'am at the fucking grocery store because that's what I want. As, as you should. And when I say y'all, I don't mean, like, you know, I don't mean this, like, negatively, but anyone who looks at me and thinks, oh, you don't have to get surgeries, because you don't need to, and I like that you, I miss the beard because, oh, I think your feminine masculine is important, and I think you should keep your gene. You shouldn't. I, don't wanna, I, I actually need to let y'all know if y'all are listening to this, because I assume if you're listening to this podcast, it means that you're invested in um, both of our careers collectively. But, but when people say stuff like that to me, and I don't, you know, I found proper ways to, like, not express to them that it bothered me because I don't I don't feel like I know where that ends up going and it's not a good place for anybody. But you're saying to me that it is more important for you to look at me and see what you think I represent than it is me feeling happy making a decision about myself and my own bodily autonomy. It's it's like it's kind of like that thing when like a girl changes her hair color, and suddenly men feel like they have an opinion they need to share, mm-hmm. you know. And and it's like I I I I'm sorry that I can't provide the comfort of living in between two things. Um, I know that it would probably make other people who live in the comfort of being between male and female um probably more comfortable but i i don't feel male at all and i'm not gonna say that i i i don't there's no male there there's Mm -hmm. no male there and then people you know there's well it's like being non-binary doesn't necessarily mean it's both it could also mean that you're neither and it's like well i'm not neither i'm i'm female i've seen people do that to you multiple times and this is just to revert back to something, and I'm going to give context just in case somebody listening to this doesn't doesn't know what we're talking about. Um, I want to say it was back in 2019, I think, and there was some resistance to an LGBT plus um, teen prom being held at the library. So as a result, you know, you stood up for everyone. You abdicated for those kids to have a prom. And... As a result, because of your work and what you did, everybody suddenly wanted you to run for office and had all of these ideas for how what you did in the city should manifest. Um, and it wasn't what you wanted to do. It was what other people wanted you to do. 
And even though they're completely different things to a certain degree, it's no different than somebody wanting you to have your beard because it makes them feel validated. When at the end of the day, it's not about anybody else. It's about you and what works for you. Yeah, I mean, I thank you for clarifying that because um, that that is I still feel that way. And um, I mean, I people react a certain kind of way when they say that I don't want to live in Jacksonville forever. I would like to live somewhere else. I would like to um, uh, move west to LA or move to Atlanta and pursue my music career. Who's um, to say I'm not making moves and strides and focusing and pivoting so I can make that a reality. And I say that to some people and this like knee-jerk reaction is to say like, no, you can't leave or, oh, anything that you want, you could get right here. And it's like, no, no, that's not. Accurate. No, it doesn't work that way. Here. The, the kind of opportunities that I want, the kind of things that I want to achieve, the kind of successes I want to have, my plans for my life, it's not going to happen remote from Jacksonville, Florida. It's not. It's not. And I, you know, it, so much justification has to go in because it's like people are, and they say like, oh, well, Jacksonville needs you. Jacksonville needs you. It's like, I had my time. I'm not saying I'm leaving today. I'm not saying I'm leaving tomorrow or even next year, but I don't want to stay here forever. And, and, you know, they say like, oh, but, but, you know, like you're, you're, you're a leader in this town. And first of all, I don't think that's true. I don't think I'm a leader in the town. I think people want to associate me with that because of library stuff, because of their own interests, because people want to live in a town where they can say, oh, we have this, this, their words, not mine. I promise you, I do not describe myself as this, but they want to say, oh, a trailblazer, queer activist. And it's like, I am not an activist. I am not an activist. I am I am a person who is aware of things that are wrong, and I think of tangible ways I can help. When a uh, Black Lives Matter or a police accountability um, demonstration is happening in, in Jacksonville, I go, I pass out water. Uh, you know, and when I have personal conversations with people, I talk about what I know. I I I think it is a detriment to activists who I consider truly involved at the time when people see me making like a PSA about something or they see me like getting on live to hop on something that's a specific thing I have found time to research but that is not my entire brain capacity that is not something I'm able to do all the time when I have time to do it I find time to do it because I believe that I have a responsibility having this platform in the first place mm -hmm. but I I, I I, I know that um, the mayor of Florida has a uh, protest bill to try to um, criminalize protesters and to put them in jail. HB on charges. one. Yeah, and and I I don't ha I know about it. I I've read about it. I don't I don't have the capacity all the time to be able to like be a walking machine to combat it. Other people do. And they have a network of people to do. And those people are activists. And if those people call themselves activists, you should call them activists. Don't call me an activist because I'm trans. <laughs> it also, like, to me, it also goes back to something that somebody said once. And I'm not saying that it's everybody's job to 
necessarily if they if it's not feasible for them to do certain things they don't necessarily have to do them but i think it would be more advantageous for the people wanting to give you that mantle or wanting you to be the person that they want you to be to go out there and take part with people who are activists be there be a parent speak out have a voice in whatever way you're able to do that because and i don't know if this is necessarily true for everybody who said that to you but i feel like a lot of times people want to live vicariously through other people i associate with this person and they do xyz so therefore it makes me feel better and it makes me feel proud of the environment that i'm in and the reality is is it's it shouldn't be on you for being a decent human being who happens to care about other people so when you're able to in the way that you choose to you abdicate for those people you're just being you and they could be them and do the same thing that that's a really eloquent way of saying what i think i was trying to say thank you i i just um yeah it's it's that like people say things like i can't leave jacksonville jacksonville needs you this and and, and i say like what do they need me to do? And they explain whatever they explain. I say, now why can't you do that? And they get tongue-tied. And I had a lot of, like, uh, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but I had a lot of gay men come up to me <laughs> after the library thing and say, I couldn't do what you do. It's like, why couldn't you? Why can't you? Why can't you? Like, all, I took a moment in time to, um, fix the situation and, and use my social capital. And I did it again. I did it again with the cops at Pride. I still don't think cops should be at Pride. I'm standing by that. That didn't go anywhere. I know that, like, probably they're still going to march in Pride because that's how these situations work because, like, it takes a really long time for these things. But, I mean, all I can really do is find my community with people who who do um, um, see the inconsistencies and the ways that the police are not held accountable and that there, there needs to be a council outside of the police to monitor them and that when we have demonstrations there are less black um, um, people murdered by the police. It is exhausting to um, carry the expectation to always be the one to say it just because you said it that one time and you said it that other time. It's like, you say it now. You heard me say it the first time. You say it now. Listen, we could all organize one demonstration in our entire lives. Mm -hmm. No matter how big or small it is. Everybody feels like they can get involved and organize one demonstration. There were people holding, there were two people in small towns holding, holding signs. And, and, and how, how much did they do? Who knows? But it, 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 it is... It's difficult when, because I'm trans, which is ultimately what they're saying, because I'm trans and I'm not apologizing for being trans, I, I am expected to have to be an activist. The people who do that are incredible, and, that, that is that, and they have their own methods for self-care. And that's what they're passionate about. I am passionate about my music. Yeah, and where was this energy when I was doing the shows every week? Where were y'all? Because I saw the diminishing returns of the audience. <laughs> 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 
But that's the thing, though. People always have all of these opinions about what somebody should do and who people should be. But when it's time to support a project, like those same people who did show up to the clubs, how often do you see them supporting the music versus maybe new people or people who are invested in you as a musician? You know, all that shit I said like a minute ago, because mm-hmm. it is how I feel. I, I also just have to say that it's like I, I have been working actively to not frame myself based off of how I'm being perceived mm-hmm. more than just being authentic to it. I am very grateful for the people who embraced Phoebe Deluxe, the drag queen trademark, mm-hmm. all rights restricted. You know, um, I, it, anybody who supported me during that decade long fucking stint, you know, um, the, the, the synthetic wig era. <laughs> I, I, I just, um, I love y'all. Thank you. Um, I, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful and I hope the people who have, have made me feel the most loved know that. And I hope the people that have made snap foods and who have like said things that have felt invalidating and that have accidentally stepped on something that, you know, made me feel alone or not heard. Um, I still love you guys too, and and I I appreciate your well-meaning, though misguided support in that respect. I I I think that it just takes time to reset people's brain. Yeah, that's true. You that's know? valid. Feels like you're very comfortable in where you are and how your music is progressing. All the music that you've made and what you want to do. Where do you see your music evolving, and where do you see you evolving? Uh, my plan is to release a track every 30 days. Uh, right now, I Wish You Would and Lucky You're Out, and uh, Justin for the Weekend comes out March 26th, my dad's birthday. Oh, cool. I will and, link um, them all below, because by the time your episode cool, cool, cool. comes out, that one will probably be out. Um... um so I'm doing that and um, trying to make a music video and a lyric video every month. Um, just taking the energy that I took into producing as much drag and drag shows as I did in a decade and applying it to something that is um, more personally fulfilling to me is mm-hmm. truly a solo project. I mean, Hayden collaborates with me in the um, filming of the music videos, but for the most part, this is my solo project. This isn't, you know, um, a shared billing, as it were. This, mm-hmm. I have some features that are really important, and I, I, there are collaborations throughout it, but this is, for all intents and purposes, what I think I was trying to say the first time I released my EP, and mm-hmm. now I have some more skills to be able to pull it off. And um, the goal, and now that I've had a couple of releases i feel confident enough to talk about it but um my my plan is to release a song every 30 days and then by the end of the year there will be a full-length album and um, a couple of bonus songs and um so all the people who follow the journey in the next year can um you know get that steady drip of it and uh then at the end after that anyone new can see it all in a nice place um the first half of the album is available on my website. Um, my website is www.bebe-deluxe.com. And um, 
Uh, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, all, all, all the other places. I just, I'm on iHeartRadio. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. But All these names, they tell me every time they find me on a new one, too. That happens with the podcast. That shit happens all the time. Somebody was like, I heard you on, I think somebody said it was iHeart. That's what it was. I'm like, how? I did not put this on iHeart. Well, I, well, I, I guess I didn't like, I didn't think, um, like on Apple Music, there, like I didn't realize that there's like a global market and some countries don't really like fuck with Spotify or Apple Music. So mm-hmm. it's like some of these places are just important countries. I have the most bizarre streams. That I just did, like in China, mainland China, like uh, not like like I'm not like blowing up, but like my music gets played regularly. It was something like, uh, something like uh, 25 streams in a week. They really like that's pretty cool. Mainland China, somebody, a Chinese person, or a or someone who's just currently in China, really really like. (laughs) Really vibes to me as fuck. That 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 is their power music. My major, like, um, in a big way, I think my my major inspiration is um, probably Cindy Lauper mm-hmm. because um, she is someone who is very unusual and who struck up a lot of discussion just by existing, and that's before she was famous. It's very true. And uh, my my girl lived in the woods for two weeks, um, you know, and she was a she was like a rock and roll girl, and she worked at a vintage store. And she had like um, she had a band she had a band called Blue Angel, and then she had like her vocal cords operated on. She heard she never sing again. She got the ability to sing again, and she cut. She's so unusual at like the age of thirty, thirty-one. That's when Girls Just Want to Have Fun came out, and she was able to take that cultural zeitgeist moment, probably like you know. For, for the remainder of the 80s, what, like, yeah, 83 mm-hmm. when it came out. So it's like she got to take about seven years' time to make good decisions and to uh, write really effective songs and to make an impact and then to take those earnings and that, that capital and to be smart about it to a place where now she gets to do whatever the hell she wants. She's sitting off her, you know? It's like... I, I looked up her discography like recently and uh, she makes 1940s um, country western covers yep. and, um, and she wrote Kinky Boots the musical she she writes musicals um, you know and it's like she could easily just be someone who performed um, the hits at three pride parades a year and do just fine you know mm-hmm. uh, but she gets you know she does a psoriasis commercial and and, and, and some people were like, girl, why are you doing a psoriasis commercial? It's like, because she's getting her money. Because she's paying off a house. I'm not mad at she, her. She's resourceful and she knows how to manage her estate. Girl, she, she, that's exactly it. And I don't know her business, but what, what I really appreciate about Cindy Lauper is she was somebody who was very authentic and played to the public's um interest in her for just long enough to really like make something good and it's like i don't have any interest in being like michael jackson or madonna or even um you know like britney spears like no who what kind of psychopath wants the life kanye west lives because when you when you become one of those like untouchable most famous people in the world i don't i don't know if that's the tea 
I don't, I, I actually don't, that sounds like a prison more than it sounds like an opportunity. But when you're somebody who like made enough of a splash to where people think good about you and when you, you can still maintain, you know, a career based off of those good decisions for the rest of your life, uh, that's what I want more than anything. And I, I don't need to be super famous. I don't need to necessarily be famous at all. I would just like my life to be um, one where I could make my art without having to be distracted by the stresses of um, surviving. Um, there you go. I, I yeah, I, I mean, I like clothes and I like shoes. So if you give me like a bunch of money, I'm probably <laughs> gonna have some Jordans, but I'm not gonna go crazy. God damn it. I want to live in a reality where I can go to the grocery store and just be an old crazy art lady that people leave the fuck alone. I mean, maybe someone will steal my purse and I won't like that, but ain't, <laughs> ain't no one going to fuck with no damn old crazy art lady mind her business at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I got a fun they one for you. I've got a fun one. So I've got one more question to leave you with. You brought it up earlier, and I'm just curious. Because I know you planned to tour back in 2020, I think, originally. So you mentioned tours. What would be your dream tour? What would that look like for you? I mean, see, of course I want to say, like, every major city. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like, I, you know, I want to do... I want to see any city that I got friends in, you know, uh, New York, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Austin, you know, those major first year cities, uh, you know, Miami, Atlanta, <laughs> all those places are incredible spots, but it's like, I think that if I really could, and I think if the demand were there, I would want to, um, I would want to tour smaller towns. I would want to, see people who don't have a chance to you know see acts like that and to really like instill in people like hey you don't have to live in a big city to have value and and uh you know if it works for you because not everybody wants to make the career connections of living in a big city but some people certainly think that they don't have value if they if they choose not to and i want to do i want to fucking you know, go perform in the middle of the desert. I would want to, <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to like, um, I want to go all over Canada and, uh, South America and, and, um, you know, Europe and Australia and, and uh, Japan and South Korea and, um, China to go see my fans, my, my fan and mainland. <laughs> You have a lot of depth to what you do, and you're very authentic, and I feel like it's going to iterate in multiple different ways. And I'm excited that you came on the show to talk about it, too. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so glad it happened. I'm glad it happened, too. And I feel like we're both happier this year. (laughs) Yeah. I don't remember the last time we talked. When was it? Oh, shit. Um... 
May? Maybe? April or May? It was a while ago. We talked in the DMs, but like since we like talked, talked. I'm pretty sure it was May. It does feel that way. And it's really nice because, I mean, that was the whole point. That was the reason why I started the podcast. I actually started it because I was really reserved and I wanted to step outside of my comfort zone. So I'm like, I'm going to start a podcast and talk to people who I are cool. It. So it I was it. it was cool sharing that with you. And it was cool getting a glimpse into your world and what that looks like. And you are welcome back anytime. Mm. And you're welcome back um, to me being a guest. Thank you, darling. No, thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners out there. As always, you are the most beloved and make all of this magic possible. I also realized with this particular episode that I forgot to save Evie's handles at the end of the podcast, like I normally do as we're doing the wrap up. If you want to follow Evie Deluxe, just to keep what she's doing and support her artistry music her instagram handle is bb.deluxe and her website is bb-deluxe.com check her out buy her merch she has really cool merch actually so go check that out but this was an awesome episode and i just i always enjoy talking to bb this isn't something that i express as often as i should but bb inspired me especially 2020 she just taught me that my voice matters i just watched how vocal she was and from some of the things that she would talk about i started to confront my own reasons as to why i wasn't as vocal and my own fears about how i was being perceived by other people so just all of the things that she does and not because um she's an activist but because she's just a good person frankness that she brings to every space that she encounters just empowered me to do the same in a way that works for me so thank you BB and I love you and thank you so much for coming on the podcast the Raindrop Corner podcast can be found on all standard podcast streaming platforms such as iTunes Spotify SoundCloud iHeartRadio and until next time